0: Hello, and welcome to the Committed Collective Podcast. This podcast is a dialogue between Adam Stone, Byron Hazley, and Steve Kerwin, often joined by informative guests through all walks of life. It's very informal, but very informative, and we're never quite sure where the conversation will lead us as we're talking about racial and socioeconomic inequality in our nation. Due to our national footprint, we're connecting through Zoom. So keep that in mind when you hear the audio. If you'd like to submit a question or topic, please do so by emailing us at info at org on our Facebook page or connecting with us on Instagram at the underscore Committed Collective. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is the Committed Collective podcast. I'm here today with Steve and Byron Hazley. Byron, how are
1: you doing? I'm doing great, Adam. Happy to get in that leadoff spot, you know, uh, it's been a long time coming, but well earned. Um, how you doing, Adam? Not too bad. It's, uh, you know, things are moving along,
0: life's going well, can't complain too much, you know, weather's starting to get better, been vaccinated, got both of my vaccines in, two weeks out, I'm, I'm good to go now for the next few months, so... You know, it's it's just about now getting back out there, continuing to network, continuing to push the mission for TCC. Steve, how are you doing today?
2: You know, I never played baseball there, but for me to go last, I believe that makes me the cleanup hitter uh, in this podcast, to use a, a baseball reference, is I've heard Adam, I'm doing good. Am I doing as good as your 30 minute interval and arms ride that you did out of 16,460 people? Adam Stone finished his 47th place. So, I gotta ask, did you happen to look where, where was number one? I haven't looked yet.
0: Where I do you know? I
2: I don't think I can see that. I'm obviously, as you know, slightly new to the Peloton game. I hope to be in the top 50 percentile. Um, and yeah, you were uh you were on that thing to start off uh May, 10:30 in the morning, just hammering that bike. That's that's one of the most impressive things. The the resistance of 61% at a cadence of 71 Our Peloton riders won't even be able to comprehend that. Those are, those are amazing numbers, Adam. So I, I give you props there.
0: Yeah. I I appreciate that. I'm blushing over here for anybody who can't sleep me, but you know, just trying to put the work in, trying to get out there and keep the cardio up. So, you know, on that note, it's another great episode for us. We're catching up today on a lot of current events that are going on in the United States. And right now, the current events are really trying to bring things into focus. You know, we've seen a lot lately. George Floyd verdict. We're going to have that episode for you guys coming soon. But there has been a lot of other positives in that fight for social justice, especially when it comes to that senseless, racist violence that we've seen out there. And one thing we wanted to focus on first was the Ahmad Arbery situation. Uh, there were recently indictments for federal hate crime charges on the three people that were involved in his shooting. Um, and for anybody who hasn't seen the video, there were, uh, people that were, you know, not only following him and videotaping him while he was jogging through a neighborhood, not doing anything, but also two people that had directly approached him with weapons, armed, attacked him, shot him in broad daylight. And, you know, that was an incident that for an, a while was not, uh, charged with anything. And and now we see federal hate crime charges coming out of that. Byron, after the delay for anything to happen and now to see, you know, indictments of this level come out, what are your thoughts there and how do you feel about this situation?
1: You know, it, it's a small step. It's a small victory. Um, seeing these types of charges. Uh, the next thing is actually seeing it close. Right. So uh, we've got to actually see You know, the gavel come down, the sentences laid down as it should, um, because it was a senseless crime. There was no there was no reason for that man not to be alive right now other than pure hatred. And that's what they charged him with. It was a hate crime. And that's not what that's not what we should be doing. You know, you should find better things to do in your life than follow. A random person around your neighborhood because they're going for a job.
0: And yeah, Byron, I I can't even start to imagine the situation that he felt, you know, being in that situation as, you know, Mount Arbor is running around 25 years old, running through his neighborhood. You know, Steve mentioned Peloton and, you know, being on the bike, but just being able to be outside and and work out and just enjoy your neighborhood is something that any person should be able to do. And it was tragic to watch that video and, and know that. I've been one of those people running through neighborhoods, just minding my own business. And to think that can happen to you is something that's crazy. Steve, you know, when you saw that video, you know, that was over a year ago now. And, you know, seeing now that there's some cases, you know, charges that are actually coming out of it. Do you think this is something that we can really take away a lot from or, you know, from your perspective and seeing how it's played out? Do you think this is really an impactful moment for uh, the social justice fight. Technology is a beautiful thing,
2: right? Um, you need a, a clear cut video almost to get charges. We, you know, what if there was no video of George Floyd? Are, do we, are we having that podcast to talk about how that went? So this is the same type of thing where wasn't too long ago these situations happen and the hate crime doesn't get thrown in, and there's lesser charges that come out, and we. Everybody knows why. Right. You're, you're white down south. That's just the reality of the situation. So to see it now, it's got to stick. We got to go through. This is the type of change that it, it takes time to do. But these big ones are going to be the ones that stick out that next time somebody will think twice about doing it. What's a shame is we have to learn our lessons through deaths of innocent individuals and that's one of the most disgusting things this country faces right now. But thank thank goodness for video.
0: Yeah, and that, the video, like you said, Steve, we've seen, unfortunately, we've seen so many more violent acts, so many more acts that have been scrutinized and rightfully so because they've been oversteps and abuses of power, um, straight hate crimes like the instance with Ahmaud Arbery, you know, things like that when we get that ability to see actual footage and see it play out, see George Floyd and and really get the impact of, I can't breathe. It it does have a huge um, change in terms of what we've typically, you know, been used to in terms of hearing stories or having vague eyewitness accounts. And, you know, I think one of those, you know, it being a gift and a curse because we've seen other instances where, that video has been dangerous because people reacting to that video too quickly can turn into situations where it can be a a problem. And, you know, you really have to still do your your due diligence. You still have to look into a situation and figure out what's going on. But, you know, there's a lot of things going on out there now where you see it a lot more often.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And just to kind of double back on what Steve had said, it is really sad that you have to have the video evidence, but, you know, when it comes to the court of law, you got to have some type of evidence. So, uh, technology to your point, Steve is a beautiful thing that we had someone there to capture it, even though it's a, you know, it's a terrible situation. I would never want that to happen to anyone, you know? Um, but it's a blessing that it was there that we did have those technologies, but on that same side, it's really sad um, that these things are taking place.
2: Remember that, that Rodney King won a court settlement because the video was there, but the quality wasn't good enough, right? So that was, that was some of it there, too, that, you know, these iPhone cameras, these are crystal clear cameras. So it takes that evidence. It's just at the end of the day, this country lacks so much empathy. And when any situation happens, no matter what, We jump to conclusions instantly in every situation, whether you're for it or against it, we jump to conclusions. And then we are ultimately saying, okay, prove my opinion wrong rather than just trying to look at facts and being empathetic to the situation.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, with things being such an instant society and we get information so quickly, people want to give opinions and feedback right away. It, It leaves you in a trap situation where if you don't get the facts, You know, some things are they're unjustifiable. You know, the George Floyd situation, you can't ever try to create anything around that to create any type of self-defense or any situation that can justify something like that. But, you know, we're seeing more and more of, you know, the use of body cams, the use of other things to really capture these moments. And, you know, that kind of legislation, those types of regulations, if people think they're really doing the right things and, you know, doing what's allowed by law then getting it on camera shouldn't be a problem.
2: And I think, too, you know, for example, the Columbus shooting is a, a great example of jumping to conclusions. Um, LeBron James made a poor mistake by instantly going to Twitter before the video had surfaced. Now, he, he's he got publicists. He mm-hmm. needs to know he carries his platform. He's one of the best social justice warriors. I don't want to take anything away, but he doesn't need to be the first person to report the news. The facts can start to come out. Makai Bryant was killed there was the, the lack of empathy for her well first off, people try to compare it to george floyd which which it just that's not fair to do that's that's apples to spaceships in terms of a comparison. It's the same type, but you know somebody lost her fifteen year old daughter that should be the first thing as a father of daughters that that should have came out, but it wasn't the exact same type of thing she did have a weapon um think about if you were the parent of the other girl did she need to get blasted four times? I don't know. I'm not in that situation. Um, That's not my job. But this is why we wait for facts. We take a look at the situation as it is. And then we figure out ways to get better. All of us, every single person.
1: Yeah, I got to challenge that a little bit, though, Steve, because I, I cannot tell you how many videos that are out there and how many instances take place where a white person in the U.S. comes out with a gun they're or they're punching the police, fighting the police. You don't see them getting killed. You know, the police they're trained on how to defuse situations, how to de-escalate situations to serve and protect. So at the end of the day, you know, this should have never happened. You know, you got um what city is that? I think um some city in New Jersey They did a police reform. They didn't fire a gun. They did not shoot a bullet in the year of 2020 did not happen. You know, I'm not saying that the police need to go away from having guns, but what I'm saying is they can still execute their job without being trigger happy. Yeah. And I, uh, the Columbus one's a very
2: interesting one. And if you look around um, people have different opinions of how they saw it, what they saw. It didn't look like he showed up with his gun. It seemed like he re, uh, reacted to it. Uh, the race part, I can't disagree with because we've seen countless videos of white people going crazy, and that and that doesn't happen. So I think that's fair. I just look at it like, what if he doesn't, and that knife then goes into the other girl? What? What would we be saying about that situation? And I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily us. It's not our job to figure it out, but this is a, this, the Columbus, the Jacob Blake. And I think the Columbus are very good situations where people that view things differently should be able to sit down and figure out what could have been done better. We can do better in all of these situations that different, that aren't so black and white per se. And and people can see it and not based on color, but just like the aspect of the body cam video and what people are seeing and be able to figure out what we can do more and how we can do better.
0: It makes a lot of sense. I mean, having that conversation and really trying to figure out resolutions to these issues of, you know, unnecessary discharges or ways to stop violence, you know, gun violence, whether it's from police on. Uh, perpetrators or, you know, victims on, you know, by random private citizens. And, you know, we were talking about ways to cut down those types of shootings. We see the use of tasers. You know, we know that police officers have tasers and we've seen issues even with Dante Wright, where police misuse their gun when they're supposed to be using their taser. So there are situations where they have the ability to use force, force necessary to de-escalate a situation, but they have multiple options there, and even still, it turns into a death. How do we address that in a way that better monitors not only how, you know, yes, a person might have a knife in their hand, but could she have been tasered? Could she have been subdued another way or earlier to to de-escalate the situation to avoid having to use the actual firearm itself? And I think all those are questions that we need to start asking more and more, even when, you know, there might be a, a a mitigating factor. There still is the use of a gun that ends up with the death.
2: Yeah. And I think you could, you know, could we look up stats and say when somebody uses a taser to deescalate a situation, how, what percent of time does it go wrong? For example, in this situation, had he used a taser and he still stabs her, um, that would have then been the wrong move to make. What percent of time? Because we don't hear about that. And of course we don't from the media and, and we know that, but I think, and this is where the whole, when people hear defund the police, they just hear taking money and resources away. No, what we're saying is let's take a look at how we police and what we can do to be better. What was the, wasn't the first police department, our fact checkers are gonna have to start us. Wasn't the police created to get runaway slaves. Isn't that how police started?
0: Yeah, that's correct. So, so
2: yeah. if you look at how it started and, and and where we're at, we, we can do better. And if it takes resources, let's do it. And yeah, if you pull out a taser or you pull out a gun, cause it was supposed to be a taser. Okay. Well, you can go to prison for the rest of your life because you signed up, you chose to do this job and you just made a horrible mistake that you don't, don't get it right up in two weeks of unpaid work. That's not how this works. So that's where training comes into play
0: um, and and being more qualified, qualified and accountable. Like you said, if you make those types of mistakes, then, you know, you have to pay for it because other people are paying for it with their lives. Uh, You know, on that note, you know, we've seen a lot in the social justice area where it comes to the criminal justice system. Moving on to, you know, other areas of regulations and laws being put in play. You know, recently in 2020, 2021, there have been a lot of laws geared towards transgender involvement in sports, uh, specifically young girls or young transgender boys being involved in female athletics. Uh, There have been a lot of people who have been very outspoken about the topic. One recent person who has been very vocal about the topic is future gubernatorial candidate, Caitlyn Jenner, who has been actually um, outspoken against the whole idea of biological boys being in girls sports, whether they're transgender or what, however they identify. So I wanted to get you guys as I, you know, thoughts and comments on her comments and just the idea of in general and how that, plays with our world being uh, focused on champion change now for equality and inclusion?
2: Um, I'll start Byron. Um, I think we live and I, I said this before, we are so uneducated as a society on this topic and we just hear men's and women's sports. And as a society, we're like, women can't play with the boys. We're not, we don't even know what sport is being discussed. We don't even know, the individuals were there, what level this is, what grade this is. I coach uh, soccer. I'm not good. My girls teams lose every single time, probably getting fired after this year. But I'm here to tell you the kindergarten girls and kindergarten boys are very, very similar. They're, they're co-ed in a lot of States anyway. So at some point I I get that conversation, but, but we always just look at the drastic measures and we just assume that boys are just going to put on wigs and go play girls sports. Like, it's not hard to to look at a situation on a case-by-case basis and say, okay, born a boy, but identifies as a woman, vice versa, whatever it is, and see it and go through with it. I just don't think this is that big of a deal that, that we are trying to make way too big of a deal.
1: And Steve, I'll agree with you to a point. I think we have to be careful depending on the sport. So um, I think when you start talking about a contact sport like football, contact sport like rugby, lacrosse, things like that, you have to be careful when you're talking about genders crossing paths. Um, At the end of the day, when it comes to a matter of strength, you know, men are always – typically going to be when you look at the scenarios of women versus men men are going to typically be larger, more muscular than women in most cases. So, um as a matter of safety, I think we have to be careful in in certain sports, but non-contact sports I definitely agree with that. I I would agree with that.
2: And I I mean I, I had a girl that played high school football and, and she was a running back. I I get the um the scientific aspect of it, I I truly do. But I also think when we talk about this, we're talking about such a small percentage of the population that that's where we've that's where we've taken it. Now, is there a fear that this thing could bloom and backfire and now women aren't participating in sports and and where do we draw the line? And, and I understand that I just can't in good conscience instantly jump against this. And I just hate when people, you know, reference a track race or something and they'll bring up um, somebody that's competing. That was a man, became a woman and is winning races. And they're like, see, this shouldn't happen. And it's in a small central Connecticut town. That's not an issue the average person faces. So why are we discriminating against a whole group of individuals over these small? And I think it's just because people don't understand it. They, they, they they just can't comprehend it. I bet you when people were coming out being gay decades ago, there was at some point people couldn't comprehend it. As you educate yourself, as you see it, as you start to interact, we get better as a society. So I understand the
0: science portion of it,
2: but I I just the, the lack of empathy towards it, uh, I I can't.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, Steve, you mentioned the science portion, but I think sometimes that's used as a thinly veiled smoke screen for just wanting to be prejudicial against groups of people that they, you know, like you said, there's just a lack of understanding there. And, you know, we were talking about how there's a competitive imbalance or there's a potential for um, safety concerns, but, you know, you'll see like the Danny Almontes and... The other situations where people are like 13, 14, 15 years old being snuck into little league leagues just to have a competitive advantage over their male or female counterparts. And that's, you know, not an issue until somebody gets caught and then there's a red flag there. But people are willing to take on that risk when it, it makes sense for them and you know when it doesn't touch on those sensitive topics. But you know, we were talking about the the low numbers of you know, what we're looking at these instances, the idea that you want to be inclusive, you want to support people wanting to compete, wanting to be part of something. And, you know, looking at the other side, think of what some of you know those transgender athletes have to go through just to even compete and have to deal with, you know, maybe not their teammates. Hopefully their teammates are understanding and inclusive, but the other team, you know, the, the, the fans and the parents for the other teams, like there's so much they have to deal with. And just the ability for them to want to go out and compete with people that they identify with, I think should be supported and and you not really shot down the way that a lot of people try to do sometimes
2: yeah i couldn't I couldn't agree more, and i you know the the exclusivity is is what I can't comprehend. Um, that people are just so against it. And we know the states and we know the type of individuals that have came out. If you went and looked up the states right now that are drawing up legislature, I bet you if there's 20 of them, I bet if I rattled them off, I could name about 18 of them right off the top of my head are the ones that are pushing it the hardest. Um, I, I just think it's something, once again, it takes a group of you know, smart individuals to sit at a table and figure out how we we cannot discriminate against a group of individuals. And I don't I don't think it's that difficult. But what do I know? I'm just a youth soccer coach that can't catch a break for a victory.
0: So, what do you think about someone like Caitlyn Jenner, who has so much more experience about being a transgender person than you know any of us, having that position where boys transgender girl boys should not be able to participate transgender girl should not be able to participate in girls sports
2: well as somebody who has been happily married for seven years and has watched more episodes of keeping up with the kardashians and i would like to talk about i'm here to tell you that throughout caitlin and bruce jenner's career um very republican very conservative views so and i understand that um i think this is a slight political move too um, when she's gaining traction on the governor aspect of California, she's going to need Republican votes. So this is a way to attack when there's a Democrat that's on the down. I can I can read the room and see that, um, but you see this all the time. And you know, Candace Owens is a uh, somebody who was um uh, against. Republicans, I believe against Donald Trump. She's got a master's degree in marketing. When you can find a niche and find yourself right into there, popularity, which then draws money can be a heck of a motivator. So, um, I think it's kind of a shame, um, where she could be a spokesperson. She kind of chose the
0: opposite path. Um, but you know, it's, it's her life. I mean, I think it's really interesting that you know, you mentioned Candace Owens and, you know, there's a, a lot of other examples, but it seems like sometimes you only really get a lot of credibility, a lot of respect from some circles if you kind of turn against your own and turn against, you know, what you're you're kind of getting yourself, you know, what your whole background and foundation is. Yeah.
2: yeah and I think it, it's and it's not fair, you know, Caitlyn Jenner doesn't get to speak for all transgender just because that's the path she chose. I have, you probably have military people that have came up to you that said, uh, Colin Kaepernick disgraced the flag. I know a lot of other military people that said the complete opposite. And that's why we fight. So we can, so I I don't think, I think we're looking to her to be the end all be all savior type. And that that's also not fair. Um, but it, it's, for me, it's just a, 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 as somebody who is pro, um, it's a path I wish. But um, I get it. Bruce Jenner was a 1976 gold medalist. So um, from that component, he's probably looking at it like or she Caitlin is looking at it like if she was Caitlin in 1976, and would going to ran a race. Um, would that have been fair? So that's a personal aspect when he, she was Bruce. She dog walked everybody at the Olympics. So,
0: yeah, I think that makes I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, in terms of just the aspect of, you know, maybe they have a different perspective. But, you know, I think, again, the idea of providing protection for a class of people, allowing for people to participate in uh, a sport or whatever sport they want to and not have restrictions there that are really built on prejudice more than the safety of other people or, you know, the competition and the fairness of the sport. You know, I think if we really analyze where these regulations are coming in, we just can find better ways to allow people to participate, allow things to be a little bit more inclusive, even when everything may not need to be genderless, but still find ways to support every group that wants to be involved.
2: And I'll leave this as kind of my last opinion is I think it's we as a society, I don't think the average person knows very many people in the transgender community, if much of any. Right. So so we know that I would ask any person if you had. A son when he was born, but it turns out it was a girl inside of a boy's body and at the age of 13, everything had gone through and now it was a girl what sport would you want her to play and would you support her playing girl sports, even though she was born a boy. And I guarantee you everybody would do what would make their daughter happy and would be pro because now they're in that situation. So it's so easy for any one of us to talk in this opinion because it's, it's not anything that we really know much of anything about or what that feeling is.
1: I was going to say, yeah, and just along those lines, I, I I do agree with the stance that it's really sad that that's what the legislation has decided to target. You know, like you said, there's very few individuals that know someone that's transgender. Um, so to target such a small thing and say, oh, yeah, let's write up some legislation around this. This is a problem. This is not a problem, in my opinion not something that our lawmakers should be prioritizing over a lot of other things that they should be reviewing.
2: Never mind, Adam, I'm not done talking. It's not a problem. It's an issue that people should come together and, and, and talk about, we were talking about this before and, and, and shout out grand ledge in about 2001, I showed up to a tennis tournament and this girl was beating down everybody. And luckily I didn't have to play her in this round Robin Saturday tournament. You know, Adam, not a lot of people are beating me in tennis. I don't think I'm getting that W um, on that Saturday afternoon. That girl could play. So I don't think that's fair. You know, John McEnroe's made comments that Serena wouldn't even have been a top 700 tennis player. I'm here to tell anybody, if you've ever watched Serena Williams, top 700 men's player. Um, I don't know where that line is. And it's easy to just say when it won't happen. Um I would bet everything that I have she'd be inside of the top 500 easily. And my guess would be in the 75 to 150 range.
0: Yeah, I mean I think that those kind of statements alone just really play into where the the actual mindset and and where these thoughts are coming from and kind of get into our next segment uh before we close out the episode but for the question of the week you know we've had A little bit of a bipartisan BS lately uh, from Tim Scott, President Biden, even Vice President Harris talking about the United States. And I'll ask you guys this question.
1: Do you think the United States is racist, Byron? It's built on it. Absolutely. I think so. Now, are there a number of people in the United States that are not racist? 100%. But... You know, we still have a a vast, I'm not going to say vast majority, but we do have a vast amount of individuals, a large amount of individuals that are racist. We still have not outlawed being a member of the KKK, which is a hate group, as, you know, a national terror, a national terrorist organization. You know, so there's just so many fundamental things within the this country that couldn't point you i don't even know how they ended up with that conclusion you know that they came in and said it's not a racist country but we can't forget you know the history of it well the history is the country that's the foundation of it that's how it was built and it's still a problem today and we see that on a daily basis and it's it's sad it's sickening uh very
2: very similar i think um i think it's fair to say we are less racist right like i don't know how much that makes it better but you could say that you could say the media might turn things racial sometimes that maybe didn't call for it you could probably say that but like byron said it's literally built the backbone our education is still um, centered around some of the most powerful racist people. We don't talk enough about culture and different things. So it's, it's 100% still racist. And, and it, like you said, it's bipartisan. And this is where. And um, the progressives came out and said, look, the honeymoon is over. And I know there's a lot of things on the new administration's docket right now. We're doing a heck of a job with COVID numbers are going down. Anybody um, with any manager's experience, strong leadership could fix, not fix that problem, but could turn that in the right direction. There was only one way to go and that was up, but it's time to take a look at the issues. We're seeing more resolutions. We hope with Ahmed Arbery. We start to see more and we get better and better, but I'm here to say the country's still racist in 50 years. It's still going to be racist in a hundred years. It's still going to be racist, but all we can hope is that we make drastic and dramatic changes for the better.
0: Adam. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it's for me, it, it's kind of sad to see these kind of statements and, You know, just to kind of give you a sense, um, you know, when asked when if if America is racist or not, uh, Vice President Harris said, no, I don't think America is a racist country. But we also do have to speak truth about the history of racism in our country and its existence today. Um, And she went on to say, I applaud the president for always having the ability and the courage, frankly, to speak the truth about it. Now, when President Biden was asked about racism in America He said, no, I don't think the American people are racist, but I think after 400 years, African Americans have been left in a position where they are so behind the eight ball in terms of education, health, and in terms of opportunity. So, you know, with those kind of statements, I just feel like there's a lack of real awareness and appreciation for what's going on. And this is the progressive side. Uh, Senator Tim Scott had similar statements talking about, you know, racism not really being an aspect of the current society, but a part of our history. And, you know, I think even with the idea of TCC, we started TCC and made it very specific on addressing racism and socioeconomic inequality in the United States because Americans are too quick to pass the bill on other states or not states, other countries. You know, we'll talk about China and their treatment of Tibet or talk about, you know, countries in uh, Africa or talk about countries in South America and, you know, look down on that when a lot of the same tactics, a lot of the same situations are in America and they're even less uh, justifiable, they're even more inexcusable because we have the resources here. We have the knowledge here, quote unquote, to not be that type of uh, oppressive nation. And we still go all in on some of those tactics when it doesn't really fit what the overall Uh, goal is, uh, at least when we talk about it on paper, the overall goal is equality. We don't see that on our day-to-day life and you know we're still seeing signs of racism even in the COVID-19 pandemic, which is something that's brand new. We see how rampant racism is just with how all that stuff is playing out as well. So, I don't know. I I think I want to hear more about what you guys think in terms of Byron, do you see this being something where having this type of reaction by both sides and both parties is something that Americans are going to catch on to, or is this something that is going to allow us to just get more lackadaisical about this
1: situation? So uh, I guess I could say what my hope is, right? So my hope is that, We recognize, based on these comments, how far we still have to go, right? At this point, we're in a situation where um, our top two leaders in this country do not feel the same way that numerous individuals in this country feels. And we have all kinds of supporting information that would back that, right? so it's really a, a wake up call hopefully to a lot of people like whoa that's weird and not a a like oh yeah they said that yeah we're not you we're not yeah you know we need people that are ready to jump on join the collective and move collectively to push that out because it is still very prevalent in America today
2: um i yeah i think Obviously, when when we started, we were very, very keen on going after the previous administration, getting people out to vote, getting more diversity. And we did a really good job of that. And we talked about that. That's great. They're there. Now you have to drive change. But our elected officials, uh, as somebody who always votes, I've earned the right to criticize as well. And I will say that President Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris, that is a cop out. And the reason that is a cop out is because when you make these statements, as a white male, I'm here to give you guys a secret. A lot of times when it comes to racism, white people like to sweep it under a rug and make comments like, well, I'm a good person. I don't have to worry about that. And when you make those comments, what you've just said is, guys, it's not that bad here. Like we have a new administration, things are better. Go on with your daily lives. Like that's what you're saying. So I don't like it because that's using your power to manipulate the people and shift them in a different direction. I just, I'm a big fan. If it's a spade, call it a spade. It's okay to say we're still a racist country just because all three of us can drink at the same water fountain now. um, And it's better than it was 60 years ago, but it it would still not there. And if you, People don't believe go look at, you know, Derek Chauvin. We all watched that trial. We watched him murder somebody and we still watched it and waited. And you can't tell me one person when that trial came out knew he was going to be guilty. Every single person had sweaty palms, heart beating because it was just that feeling that it wasn't going to be the way we want it. And that's how, you know,
0: yeah, I mean, that's a great point, Steve. And you know, I think when you said cop out, you know, I think that's not only just for, the the administration or for politicians in, in general to say this isn't a huge issue. You know, we have it under control. We're taking care of it. But like you said, when people are able to pass the buck and say, well, I'm not racist, but somebody else is racist and they're racist. And, you know, they're that's their issue. That's the issue or whoever they're doing this to. I'm not a part of this. But you see a lot of other things get so generalized, like, you, you know, see crime in. Neighborhoods that have, you know, minority uh, heavy ne- neighborhoods, and now it's everybody's issue. Now everybody's a criminal. Now, you know, instead of here, you know, racism, uh, white supremacy, that's a one person thing. That's a very individualized situation. And it just allows people to avoid accountability. Again, if you're accountable and you're taking pride in your neighborhood, you're taking pride in what's going on around you, you're going to be a lot more focused on ending this type of hate ending this type of negativity around you. So, you know, allowing people to use that type of rhetoric, I think, is very dangerous when you're talking about making changes and being, you know, as the progressive incumbents, the catalyst for that change. This doesn't allow you to really do that. But as a devil's advocate, I'd like to get your thoughts in terms of maybe this giving people an end to be more involved. Can you see this as something where they're using this as an opportunity for people who should know that racism is there to still be involved in the, the improvement of the situation and and let people kind of get in without feeling the full brunt of being racist or exhibiting racist qualities.
2: Yeah. And I, and I was actually going to say the same thing is, is saying that, Allowing people, because when you say this is a racist country, you're instantly going to get feedback in particular from white people that are going to say, well, I'm not racist. That's not fair. We're not a race. We're not a racist country because I'm not racist. They're going to use their own situation. So maybe making that comment pulls more people off the fence. I I don't know, but I've learned one thing about this country and y- you have to read a room And it's like the mass mandate and different things. People are just going to push back because and you have to find ways to protect as many people as possible. So politics is a huge, just a huge game of chess um, to get votes. But then the actual game, when you get there and it's very hard to protect every single person. But I just it just feels like a cop out and not a. uh, maneuver for the better.
1: Yeah, it, I would definitely agree with that sentiment as well, Steve. Um, there's there's definitely an opportunity as you as you spoke to Adam. There's an opportunity, and I think if people want to get involved, there's there's opportunities there, right? But I think a lot of people. And I shouldn't say a lot of people, I will say, I think there will be some people that will take these comments and run with them and they'll use them as fuel to conversations. As Steve alluded to, they talk about, you know, this is my situation. Now I got the president backing what I said. You know, so um, hopefully, like I said, uh, all I can hope for at this point is better days ahead that the vast majority comes out and says we there's a lot still that needs to be changed here, because as long as people are getting killed in the street, there's a lot that needs to change in America.
2: I think you just fueled the Republican base for the midterms. As well next year, because they're going to say that Democrats used it and then came out and even said it. But they attacked Trump that way. And I believe it'll be used. And you'll probably and you typically see seats flip to the Republican side was a Democrat president and vice versa. And you did just help when you made those comments.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think you made a good point there where that was a huge point in terms of getting Trump and rightfully so, because the proud boys. KKK, plenty of white supremacy groups were rampant and, and ramping things up and to basically backtrack from that stance and allow for other people to now move in and say, all right, see, look at the position less than 100 days later. That doesn't play well um, overall. And, you know, personally, I, I feel like it is also, you know, a backtrack in the wrong direction because this is a platform that, you know, I really wanted them to attack most. And, you know, it shows us from, a local grassroots level, you know, in our cities, in our counties, in our in our states, we need to just do more on our own because we can't expect the top to take care of it for us. We have to do more within our own neighborhoods and communities.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, the previous administration, they were the leadership was so bad. The racism was exploding that time time will tell, but it might be for a good thing because we might have tore down this house that now we have to rebuild. The problem is when we rebuild it, can we make it better? Or are we going to rebuild it off the same foundation that it was built on? And that's what time's going to tell. So hopefully people continue to be fight, fight, be empathetic, love each other. I truly do believe, you know, it's not as bad as the media portrays it. But it's much worse than the average American things.
0: Yeah. And I think on that point, you know, we just have to do more together, TCC, to, can, to continue to collaborate and champion that change now. Because right now, you know, there's a, a turning point that has started and we just need to continue the momentum because there's going to be things pushing back there. So, you know, I think we're starting to get now into our action items, our next steps. I'll start quickly just to, continue my point there, just continue to push on the momentum that we started. Don't let this moment pass us by. Don't let this period get to a point of complacency when we have things moving in the right direction. We can't allow, you know, one presidential election to move us away from what we really need to happen. So, you know, use these types of comments, use this type of Bipartisan BS as another example of why we still need to make so much more progress in our world, in our society for equality.
1: Yeah. Adam along those same lines, you know, people just have to figure out a way to, to acknowledge and be empathetic to others. You know, Steve spoke about this earlier, being empathetic to others, having empathy in regards to, what other situations are going on, you know? So I think one thing that everyone can do is, is be kind to others, right? You can be kind to others on a daily basis. Everyone's gone through a lot in this last year. I don't care who you are. Your life has changed in some way due to everything that has happened in America since March of 2020. So just be kind to be kind to people because that kindness could change someone's day completely. So so just take the kind road, be kind to people and and spread love.
2: I'm going to speak to the stubborn people here, Adam. I, I challenge. People know when you're stubborn and you think you know everything, you know it, whether you want to admit it to other people, but in, the, in your heart of hearts, you know, I challenge you to do something different that you've ever done before. Go somewhere you would have never thought you'd be go, go around different types of people, pick up a different types of hobby that you would never think you would have liked. And I bet you'll find enjoyment out of it. And then take that same mentality and look into different individuals that you would have never thought you'd be around or you never thought you could relate to. And you will see the exact same thing. So that is my challenge to become a better person. Change your stubbornness ways. We all have to grow as individuals. Some of us finish 90,000th place when we're on the Peloton. We all can't be Adam Stone who cracks top 50. I'm coming. Adam, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'll leave you with that.
0: On that note, this is the Committed Collective Podcast for Adam Stone, Byron Hazley, Steve Kerwin. Keep pushing, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you would like to learn more about the Committed Collective or any of the initiatives that we're supporting currently, please connect with us at the underscore Committed Collective on Instagram or on Facebook. If you'd like to ask any follow-up questions of today's host or guest about our conversation, feel free to email us at info at the committed collective.org. Be sure to also subscribe to the podcast so you can stay up to date on our topics, information and other events. If you'd like to join the collective, you can follow us on Instagram and join us on our Slack community. Remember you can take an active role in your sphere of influence and champion change. Now. Now.